Zephaniah chapter 1. Uh, we'll be in Zephaniah chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 8. Uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off. Uh, as we were talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. <clears throat> to introduce that, uh, it took us all of last week just to do half a verse. Uh, but tonight we're going to try to do two verses. So it's a big jump ahead from what we did last week. Uh, but I'm going to try to cover the rest of what follows with that marriage supper of the Lamb. What I will say is interesting to me. Having put more time into studying this over the past uh, about a year, I guess, uh, is that most people always separate these events that they very rarely define what the marriage supper of the Lamb is to begin with. Uh, then they take the Uh, the conquering of the kings and make it one event. And then what is typically called the Battle of Armageddon. But what I find interesting is that pretty much anywhere where one of these events is mentioned at least one of the others is with it. If not all three Uh, and so it seems that in the Bible these are three things that are linked together as one. And the way it's phrased in Revelation and in Zephaniah it would say that the title that covers all three uh, is either the marriage supper of the Lamb or the Lord's sacrifice. Which is another way he says the same thing. Uh, here in Zephaniah. Uh, so we'll read verse 7 just because we're there with it and it goes together. Uh, it says, Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand, for the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice, he hath bid his guests. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. In the same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold, which shall fill their master's house with violence and deceit. So we've actually spent two weeks just on verse 7. 
Uh, and now we're going to try to take the follow-up of verse 8 and 9 and fit that in one service. So primarily, uh, these do fit together as one clear thought. Uh, that what's going on in the story of the, the conquering of the kings Uh, and the uh, battle in Armaged at the at the Valley of Megiddo uh, are very much the same thing. Uh, and the purpose is very much the same purpose. Now, verse 8 is very clearly the judgment of the kings. I will punish the princess and the king's children. And all such are clothed with strange apparel. Now, we've already seen uh, the one common thing that pops up. Every time you read the phrase, the day of the Lord, is that it will be a day uh, when the kings of the earth cry out for the rocks to fall on that they run to the hills for safety. Now, I believe it's Isaiah 2 and Revelation that give us the best understandings of that. Uh, and so we'll start with Revelation 19. And you have these verses. So we'll read starting in verse 11. And I I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Și am văzut cerul deschis și iată un cal alb, și cel ce ședea pe el era numit credincioș și adevărat în dreptate și judecă și face război. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Și ochii lui era ca flacăra focului și pe capul lui multe coroane și avea un nume scris pe care nimeni nu știa decât el. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. Și era îmbrăcat cu o haină muiată în sânge și numele lui este chemat Cuvântul lui Dumnezeu. And the armies which were in heaven followed him but upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Și armatele care erau în cer îl urmau pe cai alt, îmbrăcate în insuțire alb și pur. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Și din gura lui iese o sabie ascuțită ca să lovească cu ea națiunile și el le va conduce cu un toiac de fier și el calcă în picioare teascul în veșunare și furiei. And he hath on his vesture uh, and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, this is the description of Christ coming back to earth with us. It's described in Zechariah and other places. 
But the part I want you to focus on. Da parte la care vreau să vă accentuați. Because if we can spend two weeks in one verse. Din cauza că am putut să petrecem două săptămâni doar într-un verset. In Zephaniah. Din Zephaniah. If I took time to explain each of these individual verses. Dacă mi-aș fi dat să explic fiecare verset individual. We would have to just do a study of Revelation. Atunci ar trebui să facem un studiu doar din Revelație. But what I want you to take from that passage. Dar ceea ce vreau să luați din acest pasaj. Is that when Christ comes back as a king. That it says with the word coming out of his mouth as a sword. Now, I, most people believe, and myself, that that is that word of God which is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, but with the sound of his voice, he describes himself uh, as smiting the nations. Uh, and ruling over them with a rod of iron. Now I want you to keep in mind uh, what comes after that when he talks about crushing them in the wine press of God's wrath. Because that will be really important when we get to, uh, to Revelation 14 later on. But just for now, I want you to see that this is the time where the nations which are gathered together in that valley of Megiddo are going to be smitten. They're going to be crushed. So Revelation shows you where this fits. That this is very much part of the day of the Lord. And according to this, I would say it's very much part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. But I find it interesting in verse 17 and 18. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he and he written uh, I'm sorry. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried aloud with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Și am văzut un înger stând în picioare în soare și a strigat cu voce tare spunând tuturor păsărilor care zboară în mijlocul cerului veniți și adunați-vă pentru cina pentru cina mare lui Dumnezeu. That ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, uh, both free and bond, both small and great. Ca să mâncați carnea împăraților și carnea căpetenilor și carnea războinicilor și carnea cailor și celor care șed pe viei și pe carnea tuturor oamenilor liberi și loc și mari și mici și mari. Now, to make sure you understand the context, we just read the verses before this last week. You know, tonight we're picking up in verse 11. But we read most of the beginning of this chapter last week. Where he talks about that the marriage supper is set and let's go to the feast of the Lord. Este și să mergem la, la, petre, la sărbătoare. 
And so that's why I say the wording. De aceea spun că felul în care a pus cuvintele. And the connection that you see throughout all of these passages. Și conexiunea care o vezi, legătura care vezi prin toate aceste pasaje. Include these as being part of the same event. Și acestea incluse sunt parte din același eveniment. But again, at this point, I still just ask you to focus on the king. Dar din nou, încă vreau să vă cer să vă uitați la acest accent. That this is the part of that battle. Or the part of that day, let's say. Uh, where the kings of the earth are going to be smitten. They're going to be crushed by God. Uh, now, if you go by the way I told you to read Revelation. That makes it very interesting. The Revelation 6 also talks about this. The reason why that makes it interesting. Is because it's exactly what I told you Revelation 6 should be. It should be building up right until the end. Before you start to see a view of what's going on in heaven. In chapter 7. So if this is that you know the first seven seals. You know, go across the whole seven years of tribulation. It makes perfect sense that what we're getting ready to read in Revelation 6 is going to describe the same thing we're seeing here and what we'll see in Isaiah 2. So Revelation 6:14. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man Hid, him, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. <coughs> and said to the mountains and rocks, Follow on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Și spuneau munților și stâncilor, cădeți peste noi și ascundeți-ne de la fața celui ce șea de pe tron și de la furia mielului. Dacă o citești în așa fel, What you see is that this is the exact same description. Kings and mighty men. What do you say in Revelation? It didn't matter if they were bond or free. He's very clearly using the same words to describe the same group of people. But not only that, the clouds being rolled back as a scroll. Uh, regardless of what some of the songs in the hymnal might suggest. It's something that the Bible only uses to talk about the second coming when he comes as a king. So you have very clear wording. 
avem cuvintele puse foarte clar. To show that this great day of his wrath. Să ne arate că aceasta este ziua mare a furiei lui. Which is wording that's used in other places to describe the day of the Lord. Care în alte locuri este folosit și descrie ziua Domnului. What's being described in Revelation 6 and 19 ce este descris aici în Revelația 16 6 și Revelația 19 sunt aceleași evenimente. So again, that's why I show you. Din nou, de aceea vă arăt aceasta. That when you read Revelation, când citiți cartea lui Revelația, your sets of seven, uh, aceste seturi de șapte, you know, your seven seals, cele șapte sigili, your seven trumpets, cele șapte trompete, your seven vials or bowls, cele șapte baiuri, and even if you want to put them in there, that set of seven angels, sau chiar dacă vreți să pui așa acel set de șapte îngeri, from Revelation 14, din Revelația 14, those give you timelines. Acestea îți dă un timp. You know, a chronological list of events. Un un mod cronologic o listă de evenimente. And the way that it reads și felul care este citit is that the seven seals sunt aceste șapte sigili are a zoomed out view sunt mărite that the first four primele patru deal with the antichrist are de a face cu anticrist war, famine and death război, foamete și moarte being unleashed on the earth Pretty much all of that we know has to happen in the first three and a half years. In fact, it begins with the Antichrist being unleashed. Everything says it's when the tribulation period begins. And then... The fifth seal, I won't argue with you. I typically set it around the middle. But if you want to put it a little later, that's fine. A few weeks ago, we saw that the sixth seal, which this is actually part of, what I just read you in Revelation 6, very clearly describes everything that's going on across the trumpets and the vials. Even like what we see in, in the same wording. So that it's very clear that everything going on in the trumpets and the vials would line up with this sixth seal to be going on at the same time. Now, I'm going to take you to Isaiah 2 in a moment to show you that this crushing of the kings is not something that he does once at the halfway point and once at the end. But a one-time event. Now, everything in the wording should have already showed that. I mean, we've already given the example that the sixth seal uh, and then one of each of the trumpets uh, are the trumpets and the vowels describe, you know, the stars being cut off and the sun and the moon being cut. You know, most of the events you're reading are being described over and over again in Revelation. 
fi descrise ori după ori în cartelul lui Revelația. So you have just a few ways to interpret that. Avem câteva feluri căi ca să interpretăm aceasta. One is either that God is doing the same things over and over again. Una este ori că Dumnezeu face același lucru ori după ori. Some of which can't be done multiple times. Ceea ce can't. Ceea ce nu poate fi făcut de multiple ori. Mean. When it comes to flattening the mountains of the earth, it's something that can only be done once. Când vine de a face munții pământului să se sfârșească, se poate doar o dată, se întâmplă. If you're going to have an earthquake, this is the biggest earthquake in all of human history. Dacă ai acest cutremur care este cel mai mare cutremur din toată istoria, well, it can happen you know, three times across seven years. Acesta nu se poate întâmpla de trei ori în cei șapte ani. It's technically possible. Este posibil dar that one gets bigger than the other. Că unul este But it's kind of redundant to describe it that way. Da, este cumva nefăcut, nedescris în așa fel. Then the other way you could look at it. Și celălalt fel în care poți să te uiți la aceasta. Is that God is like what we said about a dimmer switch. Este că Dumnezeu este ca un schimbător de, un switchitor de, un stâns și aprins. Then you know the fact that he describes at least three times cutting off the sun, moon, and stars. Faptul că descrie cel puțin de trei ori că va va stinge lumina lumina lunii soarelui și stelelor. Then at that point you either believe he's cutting the switch on and then off. Până în acest moment ori crezi că el va stinge și va aprinde, va stinge să aprinde. Or you believe that it's like the dimmer switch that little by little he's making a little bit darker and a little bit darker. Sau crezi că este ca acest schimbător de demonstrație care face un pic, un pic și mai întunecos și mai întunecos. Again, that doesn't fit with any of the wording. Aceasta nu se potrivește cu felul în care cuvintele sunt It's absolutely rejected by the Old Testament prophets. But then you have things like this. And the fact that you have the king is coming and calling out to him. Și avem faptul că împărații vine, împărații vine și strigă ca strâncile să cadă asupra lor. Ceea ce Isaia ne spune, în Isaia 2 ne spune foarte clar că este ziua Domnului. Ne arată că ceea ce este descris la acest moment trebuie să fie ziua Domnului. And not, you know, that it happens once, twice, three times. So what that means is that since it does get read about three times in Revelation, that you have to read it this way. That the first time is a broad view of what's going on. I mean, all seven vials and trumpets are condensed into one seal. So you have all seven years being covered across these seven seals. Then, when you get to the trumpets, you know, as I've said, it's like when you take the the periscope or telescope or whatever you call it, 
Așa cum am spus, este ca și cum ai lua un, un binoclu sau... We have some pirates in our midst, they should be able to define them. Uh, and like the pirate, you know, you extend it out once. So that now you don't see so broad, but you see much more detail. You know, you zoom in, you see closer. You get a much better understanding. Because, for example, here, he gives very little information about what happens when these things happen. But when you read about it in the trumpets, he explains about how that even after all of this, men still don't repent. He starts to give you more information about it. You start to see a little bit about how people are reacting to it. Then when you get to the vials and you step in a little more, you get to see it in intimate detail. Uh, and so, again, that's the only way you can read it that doesn't start to contradict things of the Old Testament. And I know what I'm saying is not popular. I've got friends that disagree with me Now, I will say this. The preachers I know that specialize in this, that they've made this one of the chief studies of their ministry that they wind up always believing this way. One of the smartest preachers I know who's been preaching at least twice as long as I've been alive. Uh, and is faithfully one of the most intelligent men I've ever seen. And consistently one of the best preachers. That like me, he's not always popular for saying this is the way to read it. Uh, but sure enough, people still get him to come to their church to teach it to their people. Because he's considered to be an expert in this. Now, I don't want you to give any praise to men. The only reason why I bring that out is to make that one point. That people who study prophecy casually they have every kind of philosophy and disagreement you can imagine. But the ones I know who pour their heart into it and search it like a hidden treasure. Uh, 
a căutat-o ca o cumară ascunsă. The way that Proverbs says to seek wisdom. Așa felul în care Proverbul spune să ne căutăm, să căutăm înțelepciunea. That they always come out interpreting Revelation somewhere around this way. Întotdeauna iese și interpretează Revelația în așa fel. Now, I didn't get that from them. Eu nu am primit aceasta, dar de la ei. But as I went back and started asking questions, that's what I began to find. Dar în timp ce m-am dus înapoi și am început să întreb întrebări, acesta este ce am aflat. So I give you that again to help you see how these books connect. V-am dat aceasta să vă sper să vedeți cum aceste cărți s-au conectat. And to have a little bit more understanding about what you're reading. Și să aveți un pic mai multă înțelegere despre ceea ce citiți. But I want you to read with me Isaiah 2. Isaiah 2 is one of the most important passages about the day of the war. He gives more information about it than anybody else. In fact, the other week when we looked at like seven common threads about that phrase. Uh, one of the things I told you is that we could have probably preached that entire message from Isaiah 2. Because almost everything you need to know about the day of the Lord is contained somewhere within that chapter. So Isaiah 2:9 says the mean man, mean man boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself. Therefore, forgive them not. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for the fear of the Lord and the glory of His Majesty. Intră în stâncă și ascunde-te în țărână de frica Domnului și de gloria Maestății Lui. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of man shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Privirile îngânfate ale omului vor fi umilite și trupia oamenilor va fi aplecată și numai Domnul va fi înălțat în acea zi. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that is lifted up and shall be brought low. Că ziua Domnului știrilor va fi peste fiecare ce este mândru și îngânfat și peste fiecare ce este înălțat și îl va înjosi. Now, here's the single most important thing, though. He tells you what all of this is about anyway. He tells you that the whole purpose of what's going on in this day it's not just that all the proud people are being humbled. It's not just that the kings of the earth are running to the rocks to hide themselves. If you read more of Isaiah 2, he describes that in more detail as well. He describes how, as we've seen before, they hide their idols. Uh, and that they don't want to accept Christ, they're just afraid of Him. I believe it's there that he even describes them as going to the high, craggy, you know, the, the really sharp, rocky parts of the to try to hide themselves in the mountain because of the fear of the Lord. 
că încercând să se ascundă pe ei munță din cauza din cauza că le era frică de Domnul. But here he tells you what it's really all about. Da, aici îți spune despre ce tot este, despre ce este vorba dar. He says in verse number 11. spune And the Lord alone shall it be exalted in that day. That's what the day of the Lord is about. That's even what the marriage supper of the Lamb is about. Because we saw last week that the main focus of what's going on in the marriage supper of the Lamb is that death will be defeated for believers once and for all. What does he tell us in 1 Corinthians 15? In fact, we'll read it. I wasn't planning to read it that fast, but we will. It says, then come at the end, in verse 24, then come at the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he have put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that it is accepted which did put that he is accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Now, Hebrews 2, you have on there, but I won't read it. Explains that right now we don't see that. We understand that. We understand that Christ is Lord. Then when he rose from the dead, he conquered death, hell, the grave, everything. And then in the eyes of God, all things are already under the feet of God the Son. But right now, we don't see it. Because the heathen of the earth still rage. The wicked still seem to prosper. People still die. You know, the devil is still going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So while we know we have victory in Christ, and the battle is, I mean, the war is finished, you know, all the enemies still rage, 
Toți dușmanii încă domnesc. They still fight. Încă luptă. We said before, it's like those times where you have a war. Am spus înainte că este ca aceste zile când aveam războaie. And the war it ends. Și războiul s-a terminat. But there's people who just don't want to accept it, so they keep fighting. Dar sunt oameni care nu vor să accepte și încă continuă să lupte. It's quite common. Este foarte cunoscut acest. What's what we're seeing here? Comun acest. Dar acesta este exact ce vedem aici. When Jesus rose from the dead, the devil was already defeated. Când Isus a înviat dintre morți, diavolul deja a fost învins. When Jesus rose from the dead, când Isus a înviat dintre morți, and became the first fruits from among the dead, și a devenit a devenit primul rod dintre morți, the first one to receive a glorified body, primul care a primit acel trup glorios, you know that he could be transformed into that incorruptible body, ca el să fie transformat în acel trup necorupt. Death was defeated. Moartea a fost învinsă. The answer to death was there. Răspunsul morții a fost acolo. I mean, all the nations, what could they do against God anyway? Toate națiunile ce au putut ele să facă împotriva Dumnezeu, dar. But when Jesus rose from the dead, dar când Isus a înviat dintre morți, it says he was declared to be the Son of God by the power of the resurrection. Spune că a fost declarat să fie fiul lui Dumnezeu prin puterea amierei. So the fact that he's the one who would one day sit on the throne of David. Faptul că el este acel care într-o zi va sta pe tronul lui David. It was settled. A fost pus deja. Nothing left to be discussed. Nimic nu a mai a mai rămas să fie discutat. So right now we don't see the fruit of that. În în acest moment noi nu vedem rodul acestuia. But by faith. Dar prin credință. We do see it as a fact. Vedem că acesta se va întâmpla. We see it and know it. Noi vedem și și știm acest. That the Father has put all things under His feet. Că Tatăl a pus toate lucrurile sub picioare. Except for of course God the Father Himself. Cu siguranță pe cu which is what's being said here in 1 Corinthians. But that's why I say even the mere supper of the Lamb and that final part of the resurrection of life when you have death finally being defeated Even that. And you see, the last enemy to be defeated is death. So him conquering the nations. And putting them under his feet. And as we're going to see in just a moment, him conquering the armies of the Antichrist. All of that is him just fulfilling. Toate acestea este doar ca este să împlinească. Exactly what's being said here. Să se împlinească exact așa cum este spus aici. That in that day all things will be put under his feet. Că în acea zi toate lucrurile vor fi puse sub picioarele lui. That includes death. Acesta este inclusă moartea. That includes the devil. Acesta este inclus diavolul. That includes everything this world has to throw. Acesta este inclus tot ceea ce lumea are de aruncat asupra lui. So the purpose of what's going on in that day. Ce se petrece scopul care se petrece în acea zi. When he says he'll smite the nations and the kings is that that's the day when Christ alone will be exalted. No one will try to raise themselves up after that. You know, when he comes and makes destruction as he's going to, all the proud are going to be destroyed. All the kings are going to be destroyed. 
destroyed. The Antichrist is going to be destroyed. Antichrist va fi distrus. Who's going to be left standing? To try to exalt themselves. Everyone who would dare do it just got destroyed. That's the day when he alone will be there to be exalted. And that's why what we read in Revelation 19 refers to him as in verse 16 being King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's already king. But in that day it will be manifest. In that day the whole world will either bow or be crushed. I mean, that's what he's describing. But I want to give you some more verses. Now, if you remember what we read in Zephaniah 1, we had read in verse 8 a clear description of this about the kings being destroyed but the next verse says something a little bit strange. That'd be Zephaniah 1.9 if you want to read it. He says, In that same day also I will punish all those that leap on the threshold which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. This one's interesting to me because I have yet to find someone uh, who actually has an interpretation of it. Other than, well, we don't know, but we think maybe it's this. Now, I'll give you the two ideas they generally come up with. One is they take the passage about the idol of Dagon being falling on the threshold. Uh, of the temple. You know, back when they took the Ark of the Covenant into the temple uh, And, you know, of course, he falls one time, they put him up. The statue falls the second time. And when they come back, his head and his hands are cut off. If you don't know the passage, I recommend reading it. Uh, but some people take that and say, well, this clearly has to be a reference to idolatry. And while idolatry does fit very clearly with this, because we've actually already saw that the two groups he will clearly destroy are you know, those who exalt themselves and the idolaters. I still don't feel like that that's what the wording is pointing to. You're welcome to, to disagree with me. Because I'm not going to say that my answer is the definite one. I just feel like it fits the best. Because it gives no answer to the part about filling their master's house with violence. 
Uh, the other belief also comes right back to idolatry. And I completely reject this one. Because it's based on the idea that they had a saying back then that certain idolatrous people would leap over the threshold. Uh, you know, that, that first entrance when you come to the door. Uh, but the certain people when they would come to the door that were idolaters would jump over it because they didn't want to step on it. You have no Bible verse that I know of that supports that. And if I have to read your book to understand the Bible, then your interpretation is not right. The answer should be able to be reached by the Bible itself. I'm not against people helping me connect the dots in the Bible. I'm against people taking outside information that doesn't exist in the Bible. Sunt împotriva acești oameni care ia informații din afară care nu există în Biblie. And saying that I have to know this. Și spune că eu trebuie să știu aceasta. In order to understand my Bible. În ordine ca să înțeleg Biblia mea. You know, at that point you're just being a Catholic. La acest moment tu vei fi doar un catolic. And that I have to trust whatever the priest says and that's how I can interpret my Bible. Că trebuie să mă încred în ceea ce preotul spune și acesta este interpretarea. So where I come to with this is that I have no problem with the idea of the idolatry. But considering what's always listed with these events is the battle in the Valley of Armageddon or the, or the Valley of Megiddo. That's what I feel like is what's being described. That he's talking about all those nations that come to the threshold there at Jerusalem. You know, you're on the outside, you're not you're not in Jerusalem yet. You're actually still a pretty good ways away. But you're at the door at least. Uh, that those armies gathered at the threshold. Yeah, preparing to make war. That those are the ones who leap on the threshold and threshold and fill their master's house with violence. Now, if your answer leads you to the, being idolaters, Though I say I'm not arguing with you, because that just as much fits in the context. But whereas that checks off some of the things, I feel like this answer, you know, checks off all of the things. 
We've already seen what this is about. But I want to read a few more verses to you from Revelation 19. So that we can just include a little bit about this battle of Armageddon. So let's start in verse 19. Revelation 19:19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These, I'm sorry, I'm reading all of it. There you go, you can catch up to 20. Și am văzut fiara și împărații pământului și armatele lor adunați pentru a face război împotriva celui ce ședea pe cal și împotriva armatei lui. Și fiara a fost prinsă și cu ea profetul fals care, a fost, care în fața these both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and the fowls of the earth, uh, the fowls were filled with their flesh. Și ce rămas a fost ucis cu sabia celor ce ședea pe cal, sabia care ieșea din gura sa și toate păsările s-au săturat cu carnea lor. What you notice ce vei observa is that almost every passage este că aproape fiecare pasaj that describes the nations gathering together care descrie națiunile adunându-se împreună and being smitten, you're being crushed. Și fiind lovit uh, that it always includes with it even if it's very small, it almost always includes some reference to this. That what they're gathering together for uh, is to make war against Israel. Not necessarily all of Israel, but that remnant that has believed on Christ. Uh, and that they're gathering together with the Antichrist to go do this. Uh, and so you have that in Revelation 19. Uh, Revelation 16 is where we get the name for this. Uh, in Revelation 16, uh, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, And the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief, blessed is that uh, is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. Iată, eu vin ca un hoț, binecuvântate zice ce vedează și își păzește hainele, ca nu cumva să umle bol și ei să privească rușinea lui. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. 
Which I do have to correct myself about one thing. Armageddon is very much a Hebrew word. And it means the mountain of the valley of Megiddo. Uh, it's not just another name for Megiddo, it is the mountain of the valley of Megiddo. Which actually makes other parts of prophecy make sense. But what you see, even the terminology, the describing of the false prophet and so uh, and the armies gathering together to this one valley to make war. Is very clearly still describing the same event. And you'll see that the seals and stuff all point to this. Now, even the trumpets point to this. Uh, about this river Euphrates being dried up so that the armies can gather together. So, again, this is something you see being mentioned multiple times across Revelation. I gave you a whole huge passage in Revelation 14. For time, we can't read it. But this is why I wanted to give you the verses. What he's describing in Revelation 14 is the view of the day of the Lord from heaven. Uh, you have seven angels. They're not numbered, but if you count them, there's seven And here's why I told you that the terminology of the wine press of the wrath of God. Uh, was so important to remember. When you read Revelation 14, it describes there being a harvest, just like Revelation 19, and just like Revelation 19 follows that with the wine press of his wrath. What is described here are the angels taking a sickle, you know, the thing you cut the grass and thrusting it into the earth and gathering the, the kings and the armies of the earth and putting them into the wine press of God's wrath and crushing them. What's interesting is it also seems to describe the Antichrist and those who receive the mark like what we saw in Revelation. Being cast into the lake of fire. But you see here exactly what you read in Revelation 19. From heaven's perspective. And it even goes into some other details. 
locale. It describes how that this valley will be filled with the blood of the people. Descrie cum această vale va fi umplută de sângele oamenilor. It gives you a measurement of how much land size will be covered in blood. Ne dă o măsură cât de mult din pământ va fi acoperit în acest sânge. As the fowls of the earth gather together to flesh. În timp ce ce Now, I think the passage that's most important, though, to finish with here is Zechariah 14. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather against nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Fiindcă voi aduna toate națiunile la luptă împotriva Ierusalimului și cetatea va fi luată și casele vor fi jefuite și femeile violate și, fem și jumătate din cetate va merge în captivitate și rămășița poporului va fi stăpită din cetate. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So, you see, all of these events, I gave you some verses in Ezekiel, but we won't get to those. That talk about this idea of God coming to the rescue of Israel. And this part of them eventually turning back to him. I like how one passage says it this way. That instead of tearing their clothes, they'll tear their hearts and That's uh, a beautiful idea. Uh, of us finally getting beyond you know, surface religion to the heart. But what's being described across these three events as we make them is really one very simple thing. The marriage supper of the Lamb uh, and the day of the Lord as a whole deals with the day that He comes back. The marriage supper deals more so with the crushing of death. This great battle of the Lord that we separate, but I believe it's just one thing. Where He crushes the king. Where the Antichrist and false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Where the devil himself is bound and chained and threw in for a time. That all of this is for one purpose. That in him coming to set up his kingdom, where he will reign for a thousand years. 
And for him to give Israel that one last chance to turn back to him. He's going to put all things under his feet. So that he alone will be exalted. Because that is what's going on in these passages. He delivers them so that they can finally you know, turn back to him what's left of them. Uh, now I do believe that some have turned by that point, but still, that's what's going on. And he crushes all those who exalt themselves. And I will say especially the Antichrist. Who exalts himself as Christ. But all those who would dare exalt themselves, he crushes them. That in establishing his kingdom, he alone will be exalted. You want any better proof of that? They consider what we saw in Zephaniah about two weeks ago. When we dealt with Israel's part of this. What follows in verse 10 through I think 13? The conquest of Jerusalem. Uh, and him setting his kingdom. So my point is that's what's going on in this part of the story. That, that thing that now we look to it by faith and believe it. By faith we see it as a fact. That in that day we'll finally get to see the fruit of it. Because he does say we'll come back with him and get to see that. That now we wait for the day uh, but then we'll finally get to see what it's like when all things are subjected under his feet Father we thank you and praise you God for this opportunity just to be in your house tonight we thank you for this opportunity to study your word I pray God that you would help us Lord as we uh, try to go through this book to get a deeper understanding of prophecy how to study prophecy how to interpret it uh, but then also the applications for it and the things of encouragement that we can take from it and seeing that truly all things are under your feet, whether we see it that way or not now, uh, that one day we'll finally get to see the fruit of it. Father, we just thank you for all your blessings and we ask you to sing in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, still going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So while we know we have victory in Christ, and the battle is, I mean, the war is finished. You know, all the enemies still rage. They still fight. We said before, it's like those times where you have a war. And the war, it ends. But there's people who just don't want to accept it, so they keep fighting. It's quite common. That's what we're seeing here. When Jesus rose from the dead, the devil was already defeated. Când 
Isus a înviat dintre morți, diavolul deja a fost învins. When Jesus rose from the dead, când Isus a înviat dintre morți, and became the first fruits from among the dead, și a devenit a devenit primul rod dintre morți, the first one to receive a glorified body, primul care a primit acel trup glorios, you know that he could be transformed into that incorruptible body, ca el să fie transformat în acel trup necorupt. Death was defeated. Moartea a fost învinsă. The answer to death was there. Răspunsul morții a fost acolo. I mean, all the nations, what could they do against God anyway? Toate națiunile ce au putut ele să facă împotriva Dumnezeu, dar. But when Jesus rose from the dead, dar când Isus a înviat dintre morți, it says he was declared to be the Son of God by the power of the resurrection. Spune că a fost declarat să fie fiul lui Dumnezeu prin puterea mierii. So the fact that he's the one who would one day sit on the throne of David. Faptul că el este acel care într-o zi va sta pe tronul lui David. It was settled. Nothing left to be discussed. So right now we don't see the fruit of that. But by faith, we do see it as a fact. We see it and know it. Noi vedem și și știm aceasta. That the Father has put all things under His feet. Că Tatăl a pus toate lucrurile sub picioare. Except for, of course, God the Father Himself. Cu siguranță pe cu excepția lui Dumnezeu Tatăl. Which is what's being said here in First Corinthians. Acesta este ce este spus aici în unul Corinteni. But that's why I say even the mere supper of the Lamb. Și așa cum am spus chiar și cine anunți mielului. And that final part of the resurrection to life. Și acea parte din mierea spre viață. Uh, when you have death finally being defeated. Când avem moartea aici în fine fiind învinsă. Even that. Chiar you see the last enemy to be defeated is death. Vezi că ultimul dușman care a fost învins este moartea. So him conquering the nations. El cucerând națiunile. And putting them under his feet. Și punându-le pe el sub picioare. And as we're going to see in just a moment him conquering the armies of the antichrist. Și așa cum o vedeam ceva timp că el a câștigat bătălia din a lui Anticrist. All of that is him just fulfilling. Toate acestea este doar ca este să împlinească. Exactly what's being said here. Să se împlinească exact așa cum este spus aici. That in that day all things will be put under his feet. Că în acea zi toate lucrurile vor fi puse sub picioarele lui. That includes death. Acesta este inclusă moartea. That includes the devil. Acesta este inclus diavolul. That includes everything this world has to throw. Acesta este inclus tot ceea ce lumea are de aruncat asupra lui. So the purpose of what's going on in that day. Ce se petrece scopul care se petrece în acea zi? When he says he'll smite the nations and the kings. Când spune că va lovi națiunile și împărații. Is that that's the day when Christ alone will be exalted? No one will try to raise themselves up after that. You know, when he comes and makes destruction as he's going to, all the proud are going to be destroyed. All the kings are going to be destroyed. The Antichrist is going to be destroyed. Who's going to be left standing? To try to exalt themselves. Everyone who would dare do it just got destroyed. That's the day when he alone will be there to be exalted. And that's why what we read in Revelation 19 refers to him as in verse 16 being King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's already king. But in that day it will be manifest. In that day the whole world 
will either bow or be crushed. I mean, that's what he's describing. But I want to give you some more verses. Now, if you remember what we read in Zephaniah 1, we had read in verse 8 a clear description of this. About the kings being destroyed. But the next verse says something a little bit strange. That'd be Zephaniah 1.9 He says, In that same day also I will punish all those that leap on the threshold which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. This one's interesting to me because I have yet to find someone uh, who actually has an interpretation of it. Other than, well, we don't know, but we think maybe it's this. Now, I'll give you the two ideas they generally come up with. One is they take the passage about the idol of Dagon being falling on the threshold. Uh, of the temple. You know, back when they took the Ark of the Covenant into the temple uh, And, you know, of course, he falls one time, they put him up. The statue falls the second time. And when they come back, his head and his hands are cut off. If you don't know the passage, I recommend reading it. Uh, but some people take that and say, well, this clearly has to be a reference to idolatry. And while idolatry does fit very clearly with this, because we've actually already saw that the two groups he will clearly destroy are you know, those who exalt themselves and the idolaters. I still don't feel like that that's what the wording is pointing to. You're welcome to, to disagree with me. Because I'm not going to say that my answer is the definite one. I just feel like it fits the best. Because it gives no answer to the part about filling their master's house with violence. Uh, the other belief also comes right back to idolatry. And I completely reject this one. Because it's based on the idea that they had a saying back then uh, that certain idolatrous people would leap over the threshold. Uh, you know, that, that first entrance when you come to the door. Uh, but the certain people when they would come to the door that were idolaters would jump over it because they didn't want to step on it. You have no Bible verse that I know of that supports that. 
And if I have to read your book to understand the Bible, then your interpretation is not right. The answer should be able to be reached by the Bible itself. I'm not against people helping me connect the dots in the Bible. I'm against people taking outside information that doesn't exist in the Bible. Sunt împotriva acești oameni care ia informații din afară care nu există în Biblie. Dar, saying that I have to know this. Și spune că eu trebuie să știu aceasta. In order to understand my Bible. În ordine ca să înțeleg Biblia mea. You know, at that point you're just being a Catholic. Uh, la acest moment uh, tu vei fi doar un catolic. Yeah, that I have to trust whatever the priest says and that's how I can interpret my Că trebuie să mă încred în ceea ce preotul spune și trebuie aceasta este interpretare. So where I come to with this is that I have no problem with the idea of the idolatry. But considering what's always listed with these events is the battle in the Valley of Armageddon or the, or the Valley of Megiddon. That's what I feel like is what's being described. That he's talking about all those nations that come to the threshold there at Jerusalem. You know, you're on the outside, you're not, you're not in Jerusalem yet. You're actually still a pretty good ways away. But you're at the door at least. Uh, that those armies gathered at the threshold. Yeah, preparing to make war. That those are the ones who leap on the threshold and threshold and fill their master's house with violence. Now, if your answer leads you to the, being idolaters, Then I say I'm not arguing with you. Because that just as much fits in the context. But whereas that checks off some of the things. I feel like this answer, you know, checks off all of the things. We've already seen what this is about. But I want to read a few more verses to you from Revelation 19. So that we can just include a little bit about this battle of Armageddon. So let's start in verse 19. Revelation 19.19 And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him which, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These, I'm sorry, I'm reading all There you go, you can catch up to one. Și am văzut fiara și împărații pământului și armatele lor adunați pentru a face război împotriva celui ce ședea pe cal și împotriva armatei lui. Și fiara a fost prinsă și cu ea profetul fals care, a fost, care în fața 
s-a lucrat miracole cu care înșela pe cei ce au primit semnul fiară și pe cei ce se închinau icoane sale. Aceștia doi au fost aruncați de vie într-un loc de foc arzând cu picioasă. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and the fowls of the earth, uh, the fowls were filled with their flesh. What you notice is that almost every passage that describes the nations gathering together and being smitten, you're being crushed, uh, that it always includes with it. Even if it's very small, it almost always includes some reference to this. That what they're gathering together for uh, is to make war against Israel. Not necessarily all of Israel, but that remnant that has believed on Christ. Uh, and that they're gathering together with the Antichrist to go do this. Uh, and so you have that in Revelation 19. Uh, Revelation 16 is where we get the name for this. Uh, in Revelation 16, uh, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, And the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Și am văzut trei duhuri necurate asemănătoare broaștelor și din gura dragonului și din gura fiarei și din gura profetului fals. For there are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Sunt duhurile dracilor lucrând miracole care merg înainte la împărații pământului și a întregii lumi că să îi adune la bătălia acele zile mare al Dumnezeului celor totuternic. Behold, I come as a thief, blessed is that uh, is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. Iată, eu vin ca un hoț, binecuvântat este cel ce vechează și își păzește hainele, ca nu cumva să umle bol și să privească rușinea lui. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Și ea adunat într-un loc numit pe evreiești Armageddon. Which I do have to correct myself about one thing. Care trebuie să mă corectez pentru un lucru. Armageddon is very much a Hebrew word. Armageddon este un cuvânt evreu. And it means the mountain of the valley of Megiddo. Și înseamnă muntele văi din Armageddon. It's not just another name for Megiddo. It is the mountain of the valley of Megiddo. Nu este un alt nume pentru Armageddon, dar este muntele văi din Armageddon. Which actually makes other parts of prophecy make sense. Care face o altă parte din profeție să aibă sens. But what you see, even the terminology, the describing of the false prophet and so forth, 
and the armies gathering together to this one valley to make war. Is very clearly still describing the same event. And you'll see that the seals and stuff all point to this. Now, even the trumpets point to this. Uh, about this river Euphrates being dried up so that the armies can gather together. So, again, this is something you see being mentioned multiple times across Revelation. I gave you a whole huge passage in Revelation 14. For time, we can't read it. But this is why I wanted to give you the verses. What he's describing in Revelation 14 is the view of the day of the Lord from heaven. Uh, you have seven angels. They're not numbered, but if you count them, there's seven And here's why I told you that the terminology is the wine press of the wrath of God. Uh, was so important to remember. When you read Revelation 14, it describes there being a harvest, just like Revelation 19, and just like Revelation 19 follows that with the wine press of his wrath. What is described here are the angels taking a sickle, you know, the thing you cut the grass and thrusting it into the earth and gathering the, the kings and the armies of the earth and putting them into the winepress of God's wrath and crushing them. What's interesting is it also seems to describe the Antichrist and those who receive the mark like what we saw in Revelation being cast into the lake of fire. But you see here exactly what you read in Revelation 19 from heaven's perspective. And it even goes into some other details. It describes how that this valley will be filled with the blood of the people. It gives you a measurement of how much land size will be covered in blood. As the fowls of the earth gather together to the flesh. Now, I think the passage that's most important, though, to finish with here is Zechariah 14. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. 
For I will gather against nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Fiindcă voi aduna toate națiunile la luptă împotriva Ierusalimului și cetatea va fi luată și casele vor fi jefuite și femeile violate și, fem și jumătate din cetate va merge în captivitate și rămășița poporului va fi stăpită din cetate. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So, you see, all of these events, I gave you some verses in Ezekiel, but we won't get to those, that talk about this idea of God coming to the rescue of Israel. And this part of them eventually turning back to him. I like how one passage says it this way. That instead of tearing their clothes, they'll tear their hearts and come back. Uh, it's a beautiful idea. Uh, of us finally getting beyond you know, surface religion to the heart. But what's being described across these three events as we make is really one very simple thing. The marriage supper of the Lamb uh, and the day of the Lord as a whole deals with the day that He comes back. The marriage supper deals more so with the crushing of death. This great battle of the Lord that we separate, but I believe it's just one thing. Where He crushes the kings. Where the Antichrist and false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Where the devil himself is bound and chained and threw in for a time. That all of this is for one purpose. That in him coming to set up his kingdom, where he will reign for a thousand years, And for him to give Israel that one last chance to turn back to him. He's going to put all things under his feet. So that he alone will be exalted. Because that is what's going on in these passages. He delivers them so that they can finally you know, turn back to him what's left of Uh, now, I do believe that some have turned by that point, but still, that's what's going on. And he crushes all those who exalt themselves. And I will say especially the Antichrist. Who exalts himself as Christ. But all those who would dare exalt themselves, he crushes them. 
that in establishing his kingdom he alone will be exalted. You want any better proof of that? They consider what we saw in Zephaniah about two weeks ago. When we dealt with Israel's part of this. What follows in verse 10 through I think 13? The conquest of Jerusalem. Uh, uh, and him setting his kingdom. So my point is that's what's going on in this part of the story. That, that thing that now we look to it by faith and believe it. By faith we see it as a fact. That in that day we'll finally get to see the fruit of it. Because he does say we'll come back with him and get to see that. That now we wait for the day uh, but then we'll finally get to see what it's like when all things are subjected under his feet.